Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our Cherry Beckert Risk Advisory Podcast. My name is Denise Lippiner, and I am the government industry leader for the Risk and Accounting Advisory Practice. And with me today is Christian Fulgraf and Kurt Smith. Christian is the government industry leader for Cherry Beckert, and Kurt is one of our grants management subject matter specialists. Thanks for joining me, Christian and Kurt. Say hi. Thank you, Denise. Nice to be here. All right. So today we are going to talk about the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It's commonly referred to as ARPA. Uh, you may also have heard people reference it as a COVID-19 stimulus package or the American Rescue Plan, ARP. ARPA is a 1.9 trillion economic stimulus bill that was passed and signed into law in March of 2021. It builds on the CARES Act, which is the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act of 2020. The CARES Act is a 2.2 trillion economic stimulus bill in response to the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. Similar to the CARES Act, ARPA is intended to speed up the country's recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. While organizations have successfully navigated the pre-award, award, and post-award phases of CARES funding, many organizations are just entering these phases for ARPA funding. Christian, can you address the challenges with ARPA funding? Are the challenges similar or different when compared to awards made under the CARES Act? Sure. So I think there's really a couple different parts when it comes to some of the challenges with the ARPA funding. Um, and it has improved since since the CARES Act, but the the challenges I would put into two buckets really. There's first there's the the compliance piece uh, and the technical aspects of complying with the rules and regulations of of the Act. Um, and, but the second is what I refer to as the small p politics of of handing out the money and distributing it. You know, whenever you get into to this area, all politics is is local. And there's lots of influencers and opinion leaders, stakeholders, and other elected office holders that have their ideas on what the best way to spend the available funds are. And and the the, the organizations and the, the the places I've seen be most successful with distributing the money really look at it um, from a what's the best use of of the funding. And, and when you look at it from best use, that, that comes into a different, a couple different ways. Um, first, what are the most pressing needs that the, the, the county or the city may have? And then how do we, how do we plan for that, right? What's the, uh, what's the best way to determine what that is? And a lot of times it's going by groups that, of, of leadership with, within the organization or bringing in outside stakeholders that, that are able to help drive and determine what those best the best use is. The other component of it is what is the uh, long-term impact? What's the long-term cost of ownership of, of the program? And in my clients in the in the past in this area, and I come out of uh, state budgeting, is and I and I compare it to the COPS funding from the from the mid-90s. And it's while it's one-time money, um, you know, you have to pay for it after it's done. So as Organizations are looking to make their investments into infrastructure or other needs they may have. You know, how are you going to pay for it next year? Right? It's not just the acquisition; it's the long-term, long-term maintenance of it and total cost of ownership. 
Uh, I think it's an important thing. I see more and more jurisdictions that are really looking at that and trying to be thoughtful about that. They have some time to spend the money uh, and it's giving them the ability to do that. And it's evolved from CARES money, which was this you know major onslaught of money uh, that everybody wanted to help spend. With ARPA, people are, people are being more thoughtful about it. Uh, I talked to a lot of um, financial leaders in, in state and local government now, and I, I consistently across the country hear the same thing. Is I, I have more money than I know what to do with, which is a it's a it's a good problem, and a challenging problem to to determine where to 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 where to where to put the money. Um, the 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 second part um, is is really about is really about the details of compliance, and I think that's probably something good for Kurt to jump in on. Great. Thank you, Christian. Um, speaking of compliance, um, before we before we um, focus on that, um, can we take a little bit of a step back, Kurt? Um, can you elaborate more on what are some of the requirements around state and local fiscal recovery funds, um, and you know how what how that factors into ARPA funding? Where does that fit in? Uh, okay, so let me comment first, uh, make a quick comparison between um, a program under the CARES Act and compare that to the uh, state and local fiscal recovery funds uh, program under ARPA. Uh, and, and this is just a great example that both the CARES Act and ARPA have a wide variety of programs um, and the regulations, uh, you know, the agencies under those programs differ. The federal agencies administering those programs differ, and the regulations may differ a little bit. But the fact is, uh, for example, with the Coronavirus Relief Fund under Treasury under the CARES Act, the regulatory requirements under um, Treasury regulations were very, very minimal. Uh, it was basically subpart D of the Uniform Grant Guidance, which Treasury adopted in its entirety as regulation. Uh, and it was only the sections on internal controls and subrecipient monitoring and management. And that was it. With ARPA, the State and Local Fiscal Recovery Fund under Treasury, um, those funds, those program, that program is subject to the entire Uniform Grant Guidance or all of Treasury regulations. So it's a big difference, a very different set of circumstances. Uh, and one of the things we're seeing is the way the uh, the acronym SLFRF, the Fiscal Recovery Fund uh, Program, uh, is unique or kind of really cool, if you will, for uh, because it just it, uh, Treasury is taking lots of money and dropping it off at the doorstep of states and local governments, that's county and, and municipal governments, and states may be very familiar with federal programs that drop money off at their front doorstep. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that this state or recipient has the opportunity to spend that money without um, there is reporting required, but they can spend that money without having to request reimbursement. So in other words, they've got the cash in hand, they can proceed to spend it, and they don't have to seek re, you know, file for reimbursement or, or I should say they don't have to spend their own money first and then file for reimbursement from the federal government. So it's really cool that way. Um, and it's unique, if you will. And, and, and local governments in particular, uh, especially smaller ones, smaller counties and, and cities, um, aren't used to this. They, the federal, it doesn't happen very often, obviously. And so uh, the 
the amount of regulation in terms of treasury regs as a whole is new to many local governments and it's scary to them for example what what is subrecipient monitoring they've never even had to they haven't had to deal with that very often most local governments deal with state funds so um and they and they the fact is they have to make sure they're in compliance with these regs so they don't have to return the money that the uses of the fund the um the way they spend that money is within the approved uses of the final rule for the fiscal recovery funds uh and within the cost principles of the uniform guidance with the post uh, award requirements and so the list kind of goes on and on and folks are looking for help so that's that's where we can step in and help them okay thanks kurt so you touched on how there were challenges at the local government level for um, organizations that have never received um, federal funding before. What about um, the larger um, cities and municipalities and, and counties who have received um, federal funding in the past and who are used to um, successfully navigating a single audit? Uh, what are some of the challenges that they might be facing as it pertains to ARPA funds? Well, first off, you mentioned the single audit, um, and that that's one of the scary requirements um, if people are new to, to that requirement in the federal regulations. So, and a single audit is simply, if you haven't undergone one, is an audit of all your federal programs, um, whether they are come through the state or some other, you know, some other method or other body, but it's federal money in the end. And if you receive more than $750,000 in federal money in a given year, you will undergo a single audit. Uh, and that's just a review uh, of your uh, use of the funds primarily uh, to make sure that um, it's within approved uses, uh, within the um, grant agreements um, of the programs you're um, performing. And, you know, you're you really need to have your policy uh, policies and procedures put together, your internal controls and that sort of thing to make sure that that uh, you're meeting the uh, compliance requirements. So, you know, uh, small counties or cities, uh, again, have perhaps never undergone one of those. OK, but larger uh, cities and obviously states undergo these audits all the time. And um, so that's not a big deal to them. I think that uh, well, we work with certain larger municipalities and what they ask for help with is the finer details and so they may have the uh expenditure categories for example under fiscal recovery fund um, program are extensive there's they're numerous there's four major areas but there's lots of different expenditure expenditure categories so they will be using the money within a certain expenditure category and there are certain details uh, that they need some help with interpreting uh, in terms of the guidance and the regs and just to make sure that they have their eyes dotted, dotted and t's crossed is very very important to them and i think frankly i'll say this this is just me i think they're kind of held to a higher standard in the sense of uh the auditor because they are mature organizations that um are used to complying with this level of regulation so you know they want to know that they're doing it right Okay, great. Thank you. So basically, um, because of the expanded requirements um, re that cover all of the uniform grant guidance, there might be some aspects that the larger um, organizations 
might not have addressed um, with regard to cost principles, for example, that they might need um, um, someone to ensure that, you know, they are appropriately complying with, with those guidelines. This is true. Uh, so th the cost principles um, are at uh, 2 CFR 200.400, uh, the uniform grant guidance. And uh, and then there's also the appendices. And, and I bring this up to say that um, uh, there are many areas of selected costs listed under 200.400, uh, some 40 something or more uh, areas of cost. And in some cases, those costs are the term is allowable, and in some cases, those costs are unallowable. And even larger uh, cities or even states oftentimes don't have effective um, practices or procedures in place to uh, to identify or segregate allowable versus unallowable costs. It's supposed to be done or best done upon entry into their accounting system, but they're not practiced in that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the scrutiny that those uh, expenditures would come in under an audit could cause some problems for them. Okay. Uh, also, the indirect recovery of indirect costs, uh, the development of an in indirect cost rate, um, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do sometimes, so. Okay, all right, great. So we touched on the current challenges that organizations are facing um, can you describe, either one of you, what some of the challenges might be for organizations down the road that they might not be currently aware of? Yeah, sure, Denise. I'll, I'll go ahead and start off. Um, I, I think that, you know, just like with the, with the CARES money, right, this has come fast and furious. And, and particularly as you're looking at smaller organizations, um, don't be afraid to ask for help in this, right? You you may have some really good and talented people, uh, but this isn't what they do all day. And organizations like ours, we have people, this is what they do for a living and help with the compliance and, and reviews and, and know the federal regulations and how to make sure you you are compliant. And I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll share a story um, of one of my first engagements, uh, which was related to CARES, uh, but the, the it, it's happened since. And it was a small county uh, that engaged us and they, uh, they also felt that it would be important to engage a small local firm as, as well. And so they did that and, and basically split, split the work down the middle. Several months in the engagement, got a phone call that they wanted to transfer the other firm's work to us. And what, what they found that happened is while they were a, a good local accounting firm, they didn't have the experience in this area. And some of the work that they uh, recommended for approval turned out that it wasn't allowable and, and the county had to to pay it back. So don't be afraid to engage somebody that really knows what they're doing in this regard. Um, it's in it's in your organization's best interest, uh, particularly I think in the smaller uh, governments, smaller municipal governments uh, that may not have the the the, the breadth or the or the or the depths of depth of folks with with this type of experience. Um, and you'll see from the larger states and larger larger counties and cities that they are engaging firms to do this just just for that just for that that reason all right thank you christian um so we covered a wide range of topics already um basically talking about um strategy around um arpa funding 
talked about the challenges faced, um, the compliance requirements. So do you have any any um, parting words of advice that you want to share with the audience? Um, you know, a couple things that I've I've learned from from doing a number of these engagements with with clients, both both large and small, is you know something I mentioned at the beginning. Be take your time, um, be thoughtful about what you're about what you're doing. Uh, I had a client that early on in the in the process, they they looked. It was during the CARES Act, uh, but they they purchased a hotel, and it was uh, an abandoned hotel. But they turned it into um, low-income housing or homeless housing, rather, and also into a um, off-site meeting location for the county. And you know, it was something that took a lot of um, it took a lot of research and a lot of work and a lot of work with the federal government to make sure that was going to work. Um, and and it did. And since then, they've they've been given accolades for for what they did and how they did it. But take your time. Be thoughtful. Be creative. Right. This is a one time, once in a lifetime, once in a career opportunity to really make a make a difference uh, for for your community. The the other thing that I would I would say um, is don't forget the needs of your own organization. Right? This isn't just about, um, you know, infrastructure that's uh, citizen facing. Part of that is things that 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 the constituents don't always see. But the infrastructure of the government is important as well. And this is an opportunity for uh, for the government to to modernize uh, to, for maybe things like grants manager or some other infrastructure uh, that they may need. You know, I have a client that's moving their their uh, emergency management group uh, by by using this money. So things that are maybe not be as visible to to the constituents, but deliver you know a lot better services, faster, better, more efficiently uh, than than they had in the past. And the you know the third piece of advice is uh, what I just what I just mentioned is get the help and make sure you have the right help. Make sure you have the people that have the ability to reach back into um, you know counterparts or or colleagues or former coworkers that came out of government or that are in government. They they might be able to get past some of the uh, things that are typically published in the in the FAQs and be able to reach right back into OMB and ask the questions and at least speed up the process a bit for you as a as a client. Wonderful. Appreciate that, Christian. Well, thank you for joining me today. Um, and thanks for um, Christian and Kurt on um, participating in this podcast. If you want to know more about how your organization can plan, prepare, and comply with ARPA, please visit us at cbh.com for more information and guidance. Again, that's cbh.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for our next podcast.